This afternoon, we will be considering Baptist Catechism number 40. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? Answer, the souls of believers are at death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory and their bodies being still united to Christ do rest in their graves till the resurrection. The scripture reading for us is 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. Hear now God's most holy word. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, this is Paul referring to his physical body, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who is praying is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This now the reading of God's most holy word. May He add His blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. I was thinking about this um, even in the morning uh, service, how, how little people think of death and how much they dislike thinking of death. It is understandable in some ways. It's not a, a pleasant a, a thought to, to consider, um, especially for those who have no hope. It's, it's really a terrible thing to consider. Uh, but death is a very natural thing. It's as natural as birth. All who are born do die. And yet people will go year after year, decade after decade, and even for an entire lifetime and put very little thought to the reality that one day they will die. Uh, People put very little thought to the question, what will happen to me when I die? Where will I go? And in the Bible we find um, many texts of Scripture uh, exhorting us to think about death. Um, In the Proverbs we're exhorted to number our days, to have that to have that heart of wisdom where we, we count our days, what is meant by that except that it's wise for us to stop and to think about the brevity of life, to think that we only have so many days here on this earth and then we will pass from this earth and into eternity. We need to think about that. There's wisdom in this, but the fool goes on living more like an animal, <laughs> not being mindful of eternity, not being mindful of death, but just living for the here and now only. We so often are short-sighted in this regard. We lack perspective, and we need the perspective. We need to think about death. We need to think about death so that we might avoid the punishment that is due to us for our sin, namely condemnation, eternal condemnation, and so that we might partake of the benefits that are here listed by our catechism. And how will we come to partake of these benefits except this? We must be found in Christ. We must trust in Him to have uh, these benefits. Our catechism is, is wonderful in so many ways. I love this little section here. We're talking about the benefits that come to those who have faith in Christ. 
how do we come to have these benefits as our own? This is review. How do we come to have the benefits that Christ has earned for, for us? He, he earned these benefits 2,000 years ago. How, how are they ours now? They are received by what? By faith. And this is by the grace of God. We, we come to have these benefits as our own. We receive them by faith. Faith is the way that we partake of what Christ has earned for us. But here in our catechism, questions 39, 40, and 41, we are considering the benefits that are ours in three stages. We have many benefits that have come to us in this life. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have the hope of life everlasting. We have this unshakable joy. And this we considered uh, last week, but here we are talking about the benefits that believers receive from Christ at the moment of death. I, I do say that death is a scary thing, even for believers. I do not deny it. Um, no one looks forward to it. it. It's an unpleasant process. In fact, it's not what we are, were originally designed to do, that is to die. Adam had this promise held out before him that if he would have obeyed God, he would have lived forever. He would have gone from life to life. But when Adam fell into sin, what do we do? We go from life to death. And so I'm not ignoring the fact that death is an unpleasant thing, even for the believer. It is, it is a painful thing for us. It is an unpleasant thing. But the sting of death is removed for the believer. Do you see, um, th- there's hope for us because of the benefits that come to us at the moment of death. For the believer, death is not um, it is not a transition from, from a good thing to a lesser thing, but it's actually a graduation. Perhaps you've heard it expressed in those terms. We, we go from life to life through the gateway of death if we are in Christ Jesus. Here the benefits are explained to us. The souls of believers are at death, our catechism says. This reminds us that we as human beings are made up of two parts, body and soul. If you are human, this is true of you. This is your nature. This is our nature. We are made up of body and soul. And here our catechism is first telling us what will happen to the soul of those who have faith in Christ. The souls of believers, that invisible, non-material part of us, the souls of believers are at death made perfect in holiness. Don't you look forward to that day when we will no longer struggle with temptation, when we will no longer struggle with sin, with weakness, with folly, we will be made perfect in holiness. Hebrews 12, 22 through 23 says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So we're talking about the heavenly realm as it is now, as it is today. And to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So here the writer to the Hebrews is describing what is in heaven now. He mentions Mount Zion, the heavenly city, the city of the living God. He mentions the angels that are there in festal gathering, and he mentions the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So those who have passed from this earth who had faith in Christ, where are they now? Well, spiritually speaking, and in their soul, they are in the presence of God Almighty. They are the spirits of the righteous made perfect that the writer to the Hebrews refers to. The souls of believers are at death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory. So there is no delay. Once we pass from this earth, once our souls depart from 
these bodies, these tents that we now dwell in, uh, the, the souls of believers do immediately pass into glory. They go into the presence of God. That is why Paul says in Philippians 1, 23 through 24, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. What is Paul talking about here? He's, he's talking about this struggle. He suffered greatly in the flesh. And he's essentially saying to the church at Philippi, if I were to be totally honest with you, there's a part of me that really wants to leave this place. I, I, there's, a, there's a sense in which I long for death. I, I, I long to be in the presence of God, uh, to depart from this place, to depart from this body, so that I might be with Christ in that immediate way, so that I might go to glory. But then he says, it's better that I'm here with you presently. This is the Lord's will for me, that I'm here with you so that I might encourage you. That is Paul's message to the church at Philippi. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, Paul says. Again, I do not think that Paul is teaching that death is a pleasant experience, the process of dying, but rather he is drawing our attention to the fact that it's going to be a good and glorious thing to, to die and to go into the presence of God if we have faith in Christ. Luke 23, 43 and he said to them, Jesus did, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Who is Jesus speaking to there? He's speaking to that thief on the cross who died next to him. One of the other criminals uh, uh, mocked Jesus. Uh, that man was not with Christ in paradise that day. But to the one who cried out to Christ for mercy, he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Um, uh, that, that, that man would see Christ on the other side, as it were, in paradise. So this is what happens to the souls of those who have faith in Christ. They go immediately into glory, into the presence of the Lord. Have you ever heard this doctrine called soul sleep? Have you ever heard of this doctrine? It is the idea that when we die, our bodies go into the grave and our souls go into a state of sleep, a state of unconsciousness. It's not biblical. Instead, the moment we pass from this world, if we have faith in Christ, we go immediately into the presence of God. We go to glory. And then next, our catechism talks about the other part of man, the body. What happens to the body? And their bodies being still united to Christ. That's a really interesting little phrase there, isn't it? So our souls are united to Christ and immediately pass into glory. Christ keeps us in our soul. He brings us into glory. Our bodies, being still united to Christ, the Catechism says, do rest in their graves till the resurrection. So what is being taught here is that the Lord even keeps our bodies. Our bodies deteriorate. They decay uh, even some are cremated at death, and so from dust we were taken, and to dust we return. But the Lord does not, does not cast off our bodies. The Lord does not abandon our bodies, but is even faithful to keep our bodies, for we are united to Christ as whole persons in body and in soul. Christ came to save us as whole persons, body and soul. Uh, remember, He became flesh for us so that He might reconcile us to God as whole persons, body and soul. 
So our bodies being still united to Christ, the Catechism says. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 is listed, I believe, as a proof text at this point. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. This is a reference to those who have died, and it is a reference to the last resurrection. We go into the presence of the Lord spiritually the moment that we die, but our bodies go into the grave, and the Lord keeps our bodies until the resurrection on the last day. And that is the last little phrase here. Our catechism teaches that the bodies of those who have faith in Christ are still united to Christ and do rest in their graves until the resurrection. What is this a reference to except when the Lord returns? The scriptures teach us that the dead in Christ will rise first. They'll be resurrected out of the grave. Those who are alive on earth when Christ returns will um, be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. And so in this way we will always be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is Paul's teaching on the resurrection on the last day when Christ returns. So those who have died and whose bodies have gone into the grave, they will be raised up. And they will be reunited with their souls that are in heaven. And they will be saved in the new heavens and new earth for all eternity as whole persons, body and soul. Job 19.26 is also listed as a proof text. This is a pretty awesome passage here. This is Job living long, long before Christ ever came. But here is what Job said by faith. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. What an awesome declaration of faith from Job, that Old Covenant, Old Testament saint. With eyes of faith, he knew that though his body would be destroyed and though his body would go into the grave, the day would come where he would see God in his flesh. Not just in a spiritual or soulish way, but in his flesh he would see God face to face. I wonder, brothers and sisters, if if you have thought of heaven in this way. I think there are lots of Christians who think of heaven. I'm talking about the eternal state, the final state, the new heavens and new earth. I think a lot of Christians think of the consummation in in, in only spiritual terms. They think of heaven as being a spiritual realm. It will not just be a spiritual realm. Rather, heaven and earth will become one, and we will dwell on earth as whole persons, body and soul, forever and ever. And... I hope you're able to connect dots here uh, to what we're studying in Sunday school concerning uh, the doctrine of Christ and the incarnation. He did not come to earth in a soulish or spiritual way only, but was truly man, body and soul, and truly God united together in one person. And He came to save us, not in part. He did not come just to save the spiritual part of us. No, He came to redeem us as whole persons, body and soul, to bring us safely home into the new heavens and earth that at the last day will become one. It's marvelous to consider. Do you ever look out upon the world through those lenses? Uh, Pastor Russell um, said it this morning. This world is a beautiful place, isn't it? It's so tainted by sin. It's so corrupted, yes. But this world is a beautiful place. Can you imagine this world renewed? This This world filled with the glory of God? This world... Radiant as it was designed to be, and we dwelling here 
in body and soul forever and ever without the trouble of sin, without the trouble of sickness, without the looming thought of death. This will be the eternal state of all who have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, our catechism doesn't deal with this subject here. It will deal with it later. But there is a flip side to this truth. Those not in Christ will not receive these benefits, but instead will go into eternal torment. They will be condemned. They will be judged on the last day and will suffer unspeakable torments forever and ever as they are cast from the very presence of God and judged by Him. And so I would encourage you all uh, to think of death, not in a morbid sense, I must warn you. (laughs) There are some who perhaps fall into that trap. They become obsessed with the thought of it and it becomes a source of anxiety and angst for them. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am urging you to do what the Scriptures command us to do, and that is to have the wisdom to number our days, to think about how our lives are but a vapor, How we are like the flower of the field that springs up for a time and flourishes and then fades away. That is good and right and healthy for us to consider. uh, That our life is very brief. It is but a vapor. Do not let that discourage you or lead you to despair. But rather let that lead you, let that drive you by the grace of God and by the working of the Holy Spirit. To cling to Christ and to see that He lived for you, He died for you, and He rose for you. Bodily and will return bodily. Because He has come to redeem us, body and soul. I pray that you're encouraged to do these very things. Let's bow together for a word of prayer, then we will sing again, and then go to corporate prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank You for this wonderful truth, that Christ Jesus the Lord uh, lived for us, died for us, and rose for us in order to redeem us as whole persons. We thank You for the incarnation. We thank You that Christ assumed a human nature, body and soul, in order to redeem human beings. Uh, This work is marvelous for us to consider. And I pray that we more and more would see Christ as a first fruit. One who has gone before us. A forerunner who is at your right hand even now. Body and soul. The Son of God incarnate forever and ever. May we cling to Him and see how rich we are in Him. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.